I want to begin this morning with um, a tribute to our Car Talk fans out there. I know I've mentioned this program before. It's one of the joys of my life. Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, NPR, turn it on, Tom and Ray Moriarty, the Click and Clack, the Tap It Brothers, okay? Car Talk. In Car Talk, they always have a puzzler. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. I got a couple of folks here. Good. There's a puzzler in Car Talk where they give this little puzzle and you're supposed to solve it and then you're supposed to write the answer, usually on the back of a $100 bill and send it into them. So if you get the answer to this puzzler, I would welcome, you can write it on the back of a $100 bill and send it to me. But here it goes. And, and the puzzlers always have to do with transportation. So pretend you're in your car and you're driving south down a street. All right, you got it? In the car, you're driving south. You make a right turn. Then you make another right turn. What direction are you going now? Well, if the streets are laid out the way God intended streets to be laid out, you would be going north. All right, I grew up in a little town that was laid out by the railroad. When the railroad laid out of town, they did it right. It was all north and south, east and west. All the blocks were squares. The streets were numbered and they were alphabetized. And so you could get around, you know where you were going. You always knew what direction it was. However, when I get in my car and I go south down Johnson Street, all right, we're going south. I turn right on Knickerbocker and I turn right onto the loop. I'm going north. The loop is going west, but I am going north. I've had this problem for 35 years. I cannot, now, I know I've even got a GPS in one of our vehicles, and I can look down there and see my little car going, you know, west, northwest a little, but but west. But in my head, I'm going north. I cannot convince my body that it is not going north. And it's really not too much of a problem, except it really is weird that around here the sun sets in the north. Has anyone ever noticed that? Because I'm driving right into the sun, but it is as north as it can be. You know, there's ideas we get in our head that it's just a real struggle to ever get those ideas changed. It just seems like that is reality, even though we may even know it's not reality. It just seems like reality to us. Now, which direction the loop runs, like I said, is not too damaging to my understanding of life and so forth. But there are ideas that we can get into our heads that can really basically cripple us as people. For example, some people have the idea that to be a worthy person, you can never, ever fail or make a mistake. That in order to be acceptable to themselves and to others. They have to do everything just right. And let that run into the reality of failure and mistakes, and it's quite a collision, isn't it? On the other hand, sometimes we get the idea that everything that goes wrong is my fault, that I am a total failure, that if there's a mistake that's been made, it must be me. I am just all messed up. And if that is your reality, it's hard to live with that idea planted in your head. Some people get in their heads that it's my life and I can do what I want to with it. Just leave me alone. It's no business of yours. 
I can live however I want to because it's my life. That only works if you're Tom Hanks and you're a castaway on a deserted island. Otherwise, it's not a good reality to live with. You can get stuck into your head the idea that for me to be happy and content, everybody else in my life has to do what I want them to do and the way I want them to do it. And, and, and as long as people are not acting the way I think they should act and doing the things I think they should do, I'm going to be miserable. Well, welcome to misery. It'll be there. Well, you get some of these funny ideas in your head, and you may even know that you really should not be thinking that way. But it's really, really hard to change them. You can't just say, okay, I'm not going to feel that way. I'm not going to think that way anymore. Ask our counselors in the congregation. It's kind of stuff like this that keeps them in business, isn't it? It's trying to get people to get rid of these bad ideas that have become so implanted in their heads. Well, just like we can get bad life ideas circulating around, we can also have bad theology. Did you know that every person in this room is a theologian? You may not think of yourself often as a theologian, but you are a theologian because you have some concept of God. And what you think about God becomes your reality of God. It's you live out of your concept of God. I wanted to quote some scriptures here, but I'm going to, I don't have much time. So, but, but trust me, even the Bible recognizes that it's not so much who God is that shapes your life. It's your perception of God and who you think he is. For example, if you don't think there is a God, you think we're just here. And you're not going to think about there being a supreme being around. Well, your life will take certain directions because that is the concept and the perception out of which you are functioning. Or perhaps you may think there is a God, but he doesn't care about me. There's no connection between me and God. Yeah, he's up there somewhere. He started all of this. But as far as me being able to know him or being able to have any kind of connection with him, it just won't work. Or perhaps another idea of God is that God is against me. It just seems like all my life God is working against me. That doesn't work very well either. Nor does it work if we get the idea that God is always going to give me what I ask for from him. That if I do things right and if I live the right way and I ask the right way and I sort of bend my body the right way, you know, that God is going to give me what I need and what I want. But we can try to live out of that reality, believing that God exists basically to do what I want him to do for me. Well, you can see how these bad theologies can really kind of screw up our lives. That if we have some kind of idea like that about God, that really everything gets kind of out of kilter. This kind of thinking, who you think God is and what you think about God is much more important than your opinions or even your doctrines about what a church should be and things like that. You know, it's much more important how you understand God than it is whether or not you think we ought to have a piano or a band up here playing while we sing together. 
Now, it's much more important what you think about God than whether you like our having two services or not. <laughs> Those things just don't really matter in the big scheme of things. But your perception of God and how you think He works and who you think He is is at the very core of who you are and how you will enjoy this gift of life that God has given you and what you will spend it on, how you will use your days, how much meaning you'll get out of your days, how much pleasure you'll receive from your life. Well, the reason we're talking about this is is because in the story in Acts chapter 10, we run across Peter. And Peter is someone who has gone down quite a road already. If we've started reading about him in the Gospels and worked our way along with him all the way up to Acts chapter 10, we know he's had a lot of experience. He has walked with the Son of God for at least three years. He saw Jesus after he was resurrected. He mentions that in the sermon he was preaching to Cornelius. He was the one on whom the Holy Spirit descended along with the other apostles on the day of Pentecost. He preached the first gospel sermon. And yet, when we meet Peter in chapter 10, he's still got some bad theology. He still has a mistaken idea about who God is. find that almost exasperating. But to tell you the truth, I find it a little comforting to know that Peter could still be growing at this stage of his life. This wasn't the first time he had had a wrong idea about God. Remember when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus? And ever, he, he came to recognize that Jesus was really someone special? And his idea was Jesus is as special as Moses and Elijah. And God descended in a cloud and said, wrong, Peter. Moses and Elijah pale in comparison with Jesus. He is my beloved son. You listen to him. He really had a wrong idea about God that night that Jesus was arrested. And, and he denied even knowing Jesus. Said he had never met the guy, never laid eyes on the guy before. Someone kept pushing him. He cussed the guy out. Or the, the girl said, you know. His idea of God didn't include a God who would care for him and protect him. A God that he could stay with through even the scary experiences of life. So what is it that now in Acts chapter 10 that Peter is still trying to learn? What does he need to have corrected now? Peter, the apostle, the possessor of the Holy Spirit, the preacher of the gospel, he still doesn't get it that God loves everyone in the world as much as he loves him. That just hasn't quite sunk in. Because it was so ingrained in his mind and in his heart that God had a special group of people that he cared for more than he cared for anyone else in the world. It's interesting that by thinking that, he had really misinterpreted the scriptures that we call the Old Testament that he'd been reading all along. This is the very point of the, of the prophet Jonah. 
is God's concern and love for all the world. I sometimes scratch my head and wonder, how could Peter have read Isaiah without least anticipating the time would come when God's love would extend to everyone in the world and that all of the world could come to him, all of those different nations could come and be blessed by him. But it took God two visions and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit to finally convince Peter that he needed to stop and learn and relearn something about God. Now, I hope you just went through that story in your Bible classes. We're not going to talk about all of that, about the vision to Cornelius, the vision to Peter, the trip to Joppa, all of that kind of... If you didn't study that in Bible class, well, read Acts chapter 10 sometimes today, sometime today. But what we want to skip up to is that Peter finally, finally starts correcting one of his ideas about God. And his correction goes like this. He says, I finally get it, that God shows no partiality. That God loves the Jews and the Gentiles. He loves the Gentiles as much as he loves the Jews. He loves the Arabs as much as he loves the Jews. Dare we say it? He loves the Muslims as much as he loves the Christians. God's love in his heart goes all over the world. His desire is to embrace every creature. Every created being that walks this earth, God has a heart for that person and a love for that person. And that every person that walks this earth stands on equal footing before him when it comes to opening his or her own heart to God. We need to know that God loves everyone as much as he loves me. Because you know what happens when you realize that God loves everyone as much as he loves you? You also realize he loves you as much as he loves everyone else. And you got to know that. you got to have that truth in your heart. Peter had grown up thinking he was better than all those other people out there. And then he realized, I didn't know God. I didn't realize who he is, that... He truly does love all. And his arms are wide open to all. He continues to say, all who come and stand in awe of him or who fear him. All who come to to recognize that God is almighty, then God will receive them. Now, to be in awe of God or to fear God, as the Bible often puts it, is an emotional experience. For us to really begin to grasp that we can be acceptable by God, to God and that we can be embraced by God, it begins with standing in awe before Him and just being blown away by Him, being brought to our knees and humbled to realize that the Creator of the universe knows my name and in His heart, He holds my heart and loves me. But it's more than that. Peter goes on to say, 
not only who fear him, but then use that awe and that respect to obey or to do what he wants us to do. You see, right theology produces right living. And out of this understanding of who God is and a respect and an awe for him, we make our decisions based on the fact that he is God and I am not. It goes back to that basic mistake that Adam and Eve made. When Adam and Eve were created, they stood in awe of God. He was God. They did everything he told them to because he was God. He knew. He knows how to live life. He knows what he created life to be. He knows what will fulfill me and what will make the most out of this precious, precious gift he has given to me. He's God. But somewhere along the way, even though he had told them, stay away from that tree, they began thinking, you know, God said not to do this, but it looks good to me. Have you ever had that thought in your head? Maybe in some different words, but I've thought that before. I know what God said, but this seems good to me. We could make a lot of applications in our current society today on that one. From sexual morality to just how we spend our time and our days and what we, you know, well, I know what God says about that. But you know, this looks good to me. I think I'll do it this way. Peter came to realize that God's heart is open to everyone. And God loves everyone equally. And gives everyone who will just simply be humble enough to let him be God. And follow him in his ways. The opportunity to come to him. Well, it sounds like I've sort of preached my sermon, but I really haven't even said what I wanted to say. But I could say it in about 30 seconds, maybe a minute. So be patient. I think all of what we've said is, is right and true, at least my opinion it is. But what do we do to make sure that we don't have some crazy ideas about God? Uh, maybe this one that Peter worked on is not a problem for us, but I guarantee you that all of us are still growing in our understanding of God. How do we grow to understand Him in the right way? How do we not just delude ourselves into thinking as God is something when maybe he, that's not who He is at all? In the same way that Peter grew, it is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We must be led by the Spirit to come to know God. We are led by the Spirit in the words that he gave. It's just like the Holy Spirit had given Peter the Old Testament, as we call it. He just called it Scripture. And there was Jonah. There was Isaiah. But for some reason, he had not let the Spirit work through the words of Jonah and Isaiah to really soften his heart. There may be parts of this Bible that you don't understand. I've got it all down. But maybe, no, I'm done. There may be parts of it that we're still struggling with and still don't know. Or maybe we're reading it upside down or sideways. We've got to invite the Spirit to lead us and guide us as we study. And then outside of just the written word. You know, Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 13, I'm going away, but I'm really coming back. My spirit is coming. 
Over and over he says, I'm sending the Spirit. He describes the Spirit in lots of different ways. But in chapter 13, chapter 16, verse 13, he says, My Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and my Spirit will lead you into all truth. Let us be humble enough to be led by the Spirit. Be humble enough to confess we don't know it all yet. Be humble enough to let God reveal himself to us, to teach us, to show us who he is. We end every sermon here at Johnson Street by standing and singing a song, but something even more important is going on while we sing that song. Some of our leaders, our staff, our elders stand around at the sides, at the back. They're there for you. And if you want to come to God and ask that his spirit lead and guide you, that you know him better, and know him more fully as Peter came to know him. This would be a wonderful opportunity. Have the humility to stand before God in all. Have the humility to let him lead. Let's stand and sing. Now? Now. I know it's gotten a little warm in here. I don't know why that is, but I guarantee you if it makes you feel any better, it's a lot warmer standing up here than it is sitting down there. Um, but we do have a, just a couple of things we want to do before we leave. Uh, first of all, we want to introduce some folks to you. Uh, Haley, Haley Hartzell, are you in here right now? Wave at me if you are. 
Well, everybody's waving their bulletin. Now, there she is. Okay, there's Haley. All right, sitting right beside, between the Mathises there. And Haley was baptized last Wednesday.